Paranormal Investigations Hawaii from the case files of Harry Wong, Paranormal Investigator. Season 1, Episode 7, The Ghost Girl. Even though it was only the night before Halloween, I was already planning to avoid tomorrow like the plague as I've done so for the past decade. I mean, in my profession, it was Halloween 24-7, 365. So I didn't need to run into Hanabara nose kids begging for candy and then throwing toilet paper all over my house because I gave them raisins instead. Hey kids, You're going to appreciate the raisins when you get old like me and need some assistance dropping the kids off at the pool. So instead of watching horror movies, I was going to watch some rom-coms to get me into an anti-Halloween mood. The only problem was I hated rom-coms, so I decided to compromise and watched Bride of Chucky, a heartwarming love story between two killer dolls. Just my cup of tea. That's when I received a group text message from the 808 Obake Busters group that an apparition had been spotted for the past few nights on the 16th Avenue Bridge in Kaimuki. Members reported seeing a young girl of around 10 years old asking for help to cross the bridge, and then she suddenly disappeared after reaching the other side. This immediately caused my spidey sense to tingle. It was an event exactly like this which caused my unceremonious departure from HPD, the Honolulu Police Department, 15 years ago. I had to see what the heck was going on. Chucky would have to wait. I hopped into my beat-up old Honda Accord, or Honda Atterd as I like to call it, and arrived at the 16th Avenue Bridge faster than Taco Bell went through my bowels. That's when I saw her, a ghost from out of the past who had haunted my nightmares for the last 15 years. Her name was Miley. She was dressed in the same fairy princess Halloween costume as she had been 15 years ago, just like I remembered. I approached her slowly like I did all those years ago, and she repeated the same thing to me as she did back then. Help me. She held out her hand. I took it, and we crossed the bridge. We reached the other side, and she looked up at me with a terrified, tormented expression. Then she said something different, something she hadn't said to me back then. With that, she disappeared like a breeze blowing away the fog of a bad dream. I shuddered, not so much out of fear, but out of guilt and regret that I wasn't able to save her all those years ago. But maybe there was something I could do now. I knew I had to try. A voice popped into my head from my years as a Star Wars nerd. No, oh, do not. There is no try. Uh, okay, bad Yoda voice. I will save her. But first... Why did she return as a ghost only now, after all these years? She said something different, though. Something she didn't say 15 years ago. She said what sounded like puka, 
right before she disappeared. Now, in Hawaiian, puka can mean hole or door or opening. That must be it. On Halloween, the doorway between the living and the dead became porous, where supernatural beings could cross between their world and ours. But it must work both ways. Spirits stuck in our world, for whatever reason, could be set free to rest in peace. Was she asking for help to release her soul from the physical world? I needed to find out why she was stuck here in the first place. I drove quickly back to my office slash home and thought about what could have prevented Miley from moving on to the next world. Maybe there was a clue from 15 years ago, if only I could remember. With great trepidation, I decided to try something I had been avoiding. Something that I would only use as a desperate last resort. This was the forbidden ancient Tibetan self-hypnosis ritual called Kong Nam Mu, which was taught to me by the Tibetan monks many years ago when I traveled the East in search of enlightenment and tasty yak meat. It was a dangerous procedure, but if successful, I could astral travel back into the past of my mind just as if I were physically transported back in time. But one misstep and I'd become a living vegetable, doomed to spend the rest of my days reliving the past over and over again, doomed to wallow in my own excrement and drink my dinner out of a straw for the rest of my miserable existence. But if it could save Miley, it was worth the risk. I think? Yes, okay, it was worth the risk. I prepared myself for the ritual of Kong Nam Mu. I cleansed myself and changed into loose, comfortable clothing. I sent a timed email to my friend and associate, Kahuna Bob. The email would alert him of my vegetative state, just in case I didn't emerge out of this trance by the morning. I spread a plastic sheet onto the floor in case I lost control of my bowels, which was an occupational hazard. Then. I sat on top of it with my legs crossed and my arms on my lap. I recited the ritual that was taught to me by the Tibetan sacred order of Shambhala. Then I entered the metaphysical state of Kong Nam Mu by traveling back 15 years into my past self. You know those movies and TV shows where the people who traveled back in time seem to fly through a magical space tunnel with wind whooshing through their hair and brightly colored sparkly lights all around them? Well, wouldn't you know it? That's exactly what happened when I astral traveled back in time. I found myself transported back to the 16th Avenue Bridge in Kaimuki on Halloween night 15 years ago where I first encountered Miley. It was as if I entered the mind and body of my younger self. I saw what he was seeing. I felt what he was feeling. Hmm, I don't remember feeling so gassy that night though. Anyways, 15 years ago, I was an HPD patrol officer. I had just passed the detective exam and was about to be promoted to detective the next day. 
I was so looking forward to it. No more patrolling the streets. No more wearing that tight, stuffy uniform. No more being a target for pranksters. I was on my last routine patrol that Halloween night. I hated working on Halloween when 90% of the calls were about dumb teens doing dumb things. Did teens get dumber over time or were they always that dumb? I don't remember being that dumb when I was a teenager. I mean, I did practice lighting my farts, but that had a practical application in researching alternative energy sources. Ah, okay, now where was I? Oh yeah, I received a call over the police radio around 10 p.m. to check out some kids who were throwing water balloons onto the freeway from the 16th Avenue Bridge overpass in Kaimuki. I was only a few blocks away, so I arrived pretty quickly, especially after turning on my lights and sirens. Technically, I wasn't supposed to use the cherries and berries unless it was an emergency, but one of the benefits of being a cop was to ignore the speed limit and run red lights. Hmm, wait a minute. I still do that now. As I pulled onto the 16th Avenue bridge and skidded to a stop, the kids scattered into the neighborhood, except for two. A young girl of around 10 years old who was dressed in a fairy princess costume and what I at first thought was someone dressed in a black wolf costume. I slid out of my car and walked toward the two. As I drew closer, I was astonished at how real the wolf costume looked. It was like something out of a Hollywood costume shop. The fur was dirty and matted. The eyes shone yellow in the moonlight. The ears moved toward the sound of my footsteps. But what stood out the most was the teeth which were like long, white, sharp daggers that glinted menacingly in the pale lamplight. Something wasn't right here. That costume was too real, and it was impossible for a human to walk on all fours like this one did. I always trusted my gut, and this time, it told me to run like hell. But I couldn't leave the girl alone with that thing. I approached them slowly. The wolf creature bared its fangs and growled a warning at me. I stopped. My pulse started racing and a cold sweat dripped down the back of my neck. I reached for my service weapon. When the beast lunged for the girl, I fired off two shots before it could reach her. I thought I must have hit it because the thing fell back into the shadows and lay motionless on its side, but I couldn't tell if it was wounded or dead. The girl whose name I would learn later was Miley, looked at me with wide, frightened eyes. She was scared, but she didn't cry. I yelled, run, and motioned for her to run toward me as I made my way to her. She raced across the bridge and made it halfway to me, when out of the corner of my eye, I saw the creature rise back up and start after her, while at the same time beginning an unnatural transformation from a wolf into something else. I watched with horror as it went from running on all four legs to standing up on two legs as its front legs shortened into arms and it raised itself upright while still moving at full speed. Its snout shortened into a mouth that still retained its dagger-like teeth. Its claws were sharp blades of death. I had a sinking feeling it was even more deadly now than ever before. 
With incredible speed, it reached Miley before I could get to her. The beast seized her with one of its claws. She screamed a blood-curdling cry as it started to drag her back to the other side of the bridge. I raced after them when suddenly a burst of wind and electrical sparks of lightning blasted from across the bridge from the direction where they were headed. Then, an overwhelming smell of sulfur hit me as a shimmering, hazy opening materialized in the air over the end of the bridge. It was as if someone dropped a rock into a pool of water that floated in space. The opening grew bigger until it was large enough for someone to pass through it. I knew now that it was a doorway to the other side, one of the many gateways between the world of the living and the world of the dead that became visible on Halloween night. The beast was going to take Miley across to the other side. I had to stop it or she would be lost forever. I chased after them, but before I could get near, a series of black, twisted, vine-like limbs burst from the doorway and grabbed me, pinning me down onto the bridge. My skin burned where the vines held me. It felt diseased. It felt corrupted and wrong somehow. Was this what Miley felt as the beast continued to drag her toward the gateway? I held back a scream as the vines burned into me. I tried to break free, but it was too strong. I watched helplessly as the beast pulled Miley through the abyss. She looked at me one last time. Her scream was cut off midway as the doorway between worlds closed. I fell unconscious from the intense burning pain. For how long, I didn't know. I woke some hours later, alone on the bridge. The doorway was gone. The vines were gone. There was nothing left to indicate anything unusual happened here earlier that night. Except for a girl who went out to trick-or-treat on Halloween, but never came back home. It was already morning when I drove back to police headquarters and wrote my report just as it happened. I was not about to let this go. I was determined to find her. I handed my report to my supervisor, Sergeant Dan Milnick, who read it with a curious expression that I couldn't decipher. Hey, look, Sergeant, I'd like to request a forensics team to accompany me back to the scene of the crime immediately before any evidence was disturbed. Hey, hold your horses, Harry. I don't see anything here that calls for a forensics team. They are a pain in your collided deal with. You know what type of paperwork I got filed for them? But listen, I know you had a rough night. Maybe had a few, you know, on the job. That only happened once, and I was off duty and responding to a call on my way home from the bar. I don't. But nevertheless. You're in uniform and crash your patrol car. You have a reputation as a reckless and unstable. You really want to submit this report as written? Yes, that's what happened. Here's what I suggest. Ring the parents in and ask them what happened to their daughter. It's always the parents. I'll help you with the interrogation. I've been pretty successful breaking suspects. But that's not what happened. She was taken by some kind of wolf-like monster, just like I wrote in my report. I swear on my mother's future grave. Listen, Harry, to what I'm saying to you now. I don't need this type of publicity in my department. You understand? 
I'm going to make some strategic edits to your report, removing all the BS. Now, bring in the parents for questioning. No, I won't help you cover this up. I know there have been other similar cases in the past that you buried. I'm not going to let Miley just be another statistic for you. You either bring in the parents now or hand me your badge. Then suddenly, without warning, I woke up out of the astral state and returned back to the present with a jolt as if someone stuck a cattle prod up a sensitive area normally reserved for going potty. Damn it, see you next Tuesday. I glanced out the window. It was early morning, Halloween day. Good thing I laid out plastic sheets on the floor. I was soaked with sweat and by the smell of things, perhaps some other less hygienic fluids too. And as I got up, I thought I might have felt some solids in the mix. I gagged and ran quickly into the shower, but not before adding a few more substances into the formula as I spewed the contents of my stomach all over myself. I took the longest, hottest shower to make sure I got all of last night's dinner off me. Then I showered again for good measure. The hot water put me into a contemplative mood and I recalled what happened since that fateful night 15 years ago. Instead of arresting Miley's parents as Sergeant Milnick wanted me to do, I quit the force right then and there. I threw my badge at him and gave him the stinkiest stink eye I could muster then got the heck out of there before he tossed me into a cell for disturbing the peace. I had just thrown away my detective career, but I could not in good conscience allow them to cover up this case like they had with other cases in the past. I spent the next year trying to uncover clues to Miley's disappearance with no luck. And by then, the trail had grown cold. But in the process, I discovered other mysteries that defied explanation. It was the great detective Sherlock Holmes who said, Once you eliminate the impossible, then whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. I discovered other worlds, other dimensions that existed alongside ours. Worlds where the gods and monsters from our earliest nightmares lay in the dark waiting for us. Waiting to possess, to feed, to drink, to kill, to destroy us and take over our world. I was pulled kicking and screaming into a truth I never wanted, but nevertheless, I could not deny. I was determined to find out what happened to Miley, to stop it from happening again, to find the things that go bump in the night and bump back. That was the day I became Harry Wong, paranormal investigator. took me a few hours to recover from the astral travel ritual and get used to being in the present again. But I really didn't feel like myself until I got me a big-ass hamburger steak to replace all the fluids and solids that I lost last night. Unfortunately, that caused a massive kanak attack, so I had to nap until it was dark before I returned to the 16th Avenue Bridge. It was Halloween night the 15th anniversary of Miley's disappearance. After reliving that night, I obtained a new perspective on what happened. The main clue was that I originally thought Miley said the word puka, P-U-K-A, before she was taken by the beast, 
that she was trying to warn me of a hole or opening to the underworld that was about to materialize. I'm now convinced that she said P-U-C-A, Puka, instead. After studying numerous dark, forbidden books and sketchy sites on the dark web, I gathered enough information to piece together that a P-U-C-A Puka was an ancient, vile beast that had the properties of a skinwalker, a creature that could change forms between animal, human, and something in between. They fed on the souls of children, trapping their spirits here on Earth and preventing them from moving on to the afterlife. After feeding, the puka returned to their underworld lair and slept, sometimes for years, until the hunger awakened them again and compelled them to return on Halloween night, when the veil between worlds became thin, to feed once more. It wasn't a coincidence that Miley's ghost returned this week. She was trying to warn us that it was time for the puka to feed again. I failed to stop it the last time, but this time I knew what it was. That's why these creatures were so secretive, because once they have been revealed, once they have been named, they can be killed. I sat in my car and waited by the bridge. I didn't have long to wait. A group of kids were just finished trick-or-treating at one of the houses nearby. They were about to cross the bridge to get to the next house up the street when a noise spooked them. They ran back in the direction they came from, but... The youngest kid in the group, a girl of around eight years old, fell down in the middle of the bridge while running after them. The other kids kept on going, not aware they were leaving her behind. The girl stood up gingerly and yelled after them. Hey, wait for me, you buttheads. The kids didn't hear her and kept running. I was about to get out of my car to help her when another girl came out of nowhere. A girl wearing a fairy princess costume. It took me a second to recognize it was Miley. She looked real instead of like an apparition now that it was Halloween night. She looked like she did 15 years ago. She knelt by the fallen girl to help her up. I continued toward them and overheard their conversation. Get up quickly. You have to get out of here. I hurt my foot, owie. What's your name? Kaylee with a K and not a C. Listen to me closely, Kaylee with a K and not a C. I'm going to help you stand up. Then you got to get off the bridge. You can't be here when... Suddenly, a burst of wind and blue electrical sparks of lightning blasted toward us from across the bridge as a shimmering doorway opened up in the air like it did all those years ago along with a strong smell of sulfur, which made my eyes water and my stomach turn. I barely managed to hold it together. I didn't want to lose the delicious hamburger steak I ate earlier. Can someone explain to me why it tasted Ono going down, but coming back up, not so much. Anyways, where was I? Oh yeah, then... The dreaded dark form of the puka slipped out from within the shimmering doorway. It crept out slowly on all fours. It was a vision of bone-chilling terror as it crawled slowly out of the portal with its black coat of matted fur, burning eyes of yellow, sharp fangs glowing 
silver in the moonlight. I felt its hunger ooze out like a deadly wave toward me, filling me with an ancient primordial terror which froze the blood in my veins. I fought against my fear with every ounce of strength I had left and ran toward the girls. Miley, Kaylee, get away from that thing! Miley grabbed Kaylee's arm and dragged her toward me as the puka started to go after them. Away, stop, my ankle up was up. Come on, you can make it just a little further. I almost reached them when the puka leapt up and flew several yards across the bridge and landed right in between myself and the girls, separating them from me. It turned to face me. I watched with fascinated horror as it transformed into its half-man, half-wolf form and then stood up slowly on two legs. I instinctively jumped back as it bared its fangs and snarled at me. It was a good thing I did too. Besides having the stinkiest of dog breaths, which made me gag again, it also swiped one of its huge razor-sharp claws at me, narrowly missing my head by inches. I retreated back a few more feet and noticed that the girls had stopped and were now backing away from the puka, backing toward the shimmering doorway. The puka then forgot about me and turned around to pursue them, or more accurately, to pursue Kaylee, the object of its hunger. It moved fast for its size. With a single pounce, it was on top of them. It grabbed Kaylee with one claw and swiped the other claw at Miley, tossing her backwards into the air right into me, knocking me over onto my fat ass. Fortunately, I had a lot of padding down there. I quickly got back up onto my feet and helped Miley up. Miley, how? I thought you were... Make dead. I... I am, but I'm stuck here. I... I think there's something I need to do to get unstuck, but I kept forgetting what it was. Except for tonight. Tonight, I remember everything. We need to save Kaylee. Help me save her. I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't save you back then. But you can save me now, don't you see? I wasn't sure what she meant. I wanted to ask her so many questions, but we didn't have the luxury of time. The puka continued to drag Kaylee kicking and screaming toward the doorway. They were almost at the threshold. We would lose her if we didn't act now, and I was not about to fail again. I had one chance now that I knew the puka was a shapeshifter, a species spawned from the bones of werewolves. Knowing this, I prepared accordingly. I pulled out my weapon, this time loaded with silver bullets, and fired, taking care not to hit Kaylee. My first shot flew wide. The wind was causing havoc with my aim. The puka reached the gateway with Kaylee now. It was just about to drag her over to the other side when I aimed my weapon again, compensated for the wind, and fired my second shot. I watched with dismay as the shot flew wide again. Gunfun it! But then, somehow, the bullet stopped in midair, reverse direction, and flew back to hit the puka square in the chest. It dropped Kaylee to the ground and crumpled like a rag doll right in front of the doorway. I 
glanced over at Miley, who wasn't at my side anymore. She had made her way to the doorway in all the commotion. She was standing over Kaylee, out of breath from great effort. I didn't know how she did it, but somehow she used her supernatural energy to redirect my bullet to hit the puka. Miley quickly grabbed Kaylee and pulled her away from the doorway. The puka began to change shape as it lay dying. First it was a wolf, then a bear, then a dog, then a man. Faster and faster it changed between different shapes until it was a blur. Then a thick black smoke rose up from out of its body, followed by a bright silver flame which burst forth and consumed it until nothing remained. The doorway shrank into nothingness and disappeared altogether. I ran over to Miley and Kaylee. Are you two all right? My ankle's sore, but I didn't get eaten by the big dog men, so I think I'm okay. You did it. You stopped the polka. Thank you. I couldn't have done it without you, Miley. Uh, so now what? I don't know. I've never done this before. I think I'm supposed to disappear or something. Wow, that's cool. Are you an angel? Of course not. Yes, she's our angel. Come on, let's get you home, Kaylee, with a K and not a C. They both giggled at that. I took Kaylee in one hand and Miley in the other, and we walked back across the bridge to my car. As we reached the end of the bridge, Miley's hand felt light. We stopped and I looked at her. She was becoming translucent again. I could now see through her. I reached for her, but there was nothing to hold on to. She was a ghost again. She floated up into the night as she faded away until all that remained was her smile. Aloha, Harry, and thank you. Her voice drifted off into the night, and then she was gone. See, I was right. She was an angel. She certainly was. Now, let's get you home, Kaylee with a K and not a C. (laughs) You have been listening to Paranormal Investigations Hawaii from the case files of Harry Wong, Paranormal Investigator a fictional podcast. 